Hello, everyone. This is Carolyn Dupree, and this is Evolving Always Productions. And as always, I have phenomenal guests that can help you mentally, physically, and financially. And I am so impressed to have Brent as a guest today. He is a broker in two states. He is bilingual. He's a teacher. He has serious corporate America history. That's just, you're, I really, when I saw it, I was like, I'm really not too shocked, but you know, he's just a really exceptional person that you have to get to know. He has an Instagram account where he really is teaching always and motivating. So I definitely will add that link along with his personal link of his bio, because if you're in Georgia or Florida, you have to see Kim to get real estate. I'm just telling you right now, you're going to want to see Kim. So anyway, without further ado, hey, Brent, how are you doing? Hey, Terry Lynn. I'm doing great today on a, I guess we call it a Thursday, right? Uh, right. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate that. Yeah, look, look, Friday Junior, right? That's right. Friday Junior, ready to rock and roll. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I know, I know. You're, you're so busy. That's why I appreciate you, you know, carving out a slice of time for me. So look, I'll get right to it. Brent, okay. you speak multiple languages, so talk to me about that. Well, all right. So the multiple language thing is an interesting take because, you know, some things that people don't know necessarily about me. But so I'm, I'm actually learning. I'm trying to learn Spanish. But when I say I speak multiple languages, I understand how to speak. I refer to it as I know how to speak W2 and I know how to speak 1099. Those are two very different languages in the corporate America world. And there's a lot of people that don't truly understand how to speak them. And I understand what it's like to communicate with clients um, and on a prospecting level from a 1099 perspective, because uh, when you're working in that industry, you only make money when you're closing a sale. Um, and technically, your those clients are also working in the W-2 industry and they actually have real jobs, if you will, quote unquote. And I understand how to talk to them in that regard as well. And it really has helped me grow my business when you understand how both mindsets think because they're very, very different. Uh, they're almost like literally the north, north and south hemisphere as it relates to that. So when I when I, I use the marketing term as being bilingual is that I understand how to speak different business languages. No, I, I totally get it. And what you're saying makes total sense because when you're someone that sells product of any type and real estate is, is you're selling real estate. Mm -hmm. You do have to be able to relate with people from all walks of life. And you are so right, being from corporate America as well. So I, I relate. I get what you're saying about the W-2. And then, of course, being an entrepreneur now for, uh, it's been a while now, I totally get where you're at on that. And there is a different language conversation that you have on so many aspects, even the, finance, the financing front. You know, oh, because yeah. if you're talking to somebody that's like an entrepreneur, they may be financing off of their um, their business. You know, you know what I mean when I say that, like their their EIN or whatever. So, right. and you're talking to a W two person, that's totally you know you're dealing with social. They've got to be dealing with the income that they're making. Um, they they're basically getting a set income for the most part. Yes, yeah, so that's really a great point. And I know you get that Spanish in because you you dealing with Florida, so I get it. <laughs> get the, yeah, actually, and I actually went to actually visited Nicaragua. I have a cousin that lives down there. I went down there this past uh, in February. And that really uh, got me in the in the the mindset of wanting to practice it because it's a very cool country. Uh, people are very very authentic, but there's not a lot of big tourist destinations there. So really, that's all they do is speak Spanish. So if you want to enhance your experience, you really need to to, to work on it. So I've been doing the the Duolingo thing every day. I try to spend 10 or 15 minutes, so it's fun. Yeah, that's so funny because like um, I I study Spanish as well, so I'm like you. And I was getting really good at it to the point, honestly, even now I can understand a lot of things that are said. Um, but there was one point I was speaking it really well. So now I'm getting back into practicing that because you, you can kind of lose it if you don't practice, obviously. But you some spend of time, people yeah. kind of keep, and definitely uh, for me, I can, I, I've kept like when people are saying things, I can recognize what they're saying um and kind of go from there but i'm working on that too so that's on my um vision board to go ahead and get that locked in because and spanish is so key because people don't realize there's so many spanish-speaking countries first of all and then of course in the united states it's really the second language like it or not it is so it, it, yeah. it really it really is and when you i i find that you talk about the speaking the languages when you have your it's a, there's a level of respect right so if you if you recognize somebody that spanish is their first language even trying to make the attempt to greet them 
you know, um, in Spanish or use a couple of words or ask them a couple of words, they appreciate that level of respect versus saying, oh, I speak English and you got to figure it out, right? And so I, I truly have a level of respect for for other uh, languages and other you know places and cultures and how they do that. And it's it's my obligation to learn that versus theirs to adapt to me. And it's the way I look at it. I, I totally agree. And you're so right. And a cool thing too, people need to um, pay attention to, and this is really key, pay attention to how they really want to communicate. And I say that because I have a friend that, you know, he is bilingual and he made a mistake because he had ran into this Mexican couple and it was like a business trip. And he just automatically started speaking Spanish and they were offended because mm. the reason they were offended is because they're like, how, how can you just assume that we don't know English? Um, uh, but you know, okay. and these, these are nuances that, you know, we have to pay attention. I know you get it because you're very into stuff like that. So I just wanted to throw that out there for people. Remember that, um, read the nuances and everything because um, it's, it's really key um, to really know um, the right approach. And, and and the signs will be there, trust me. The signs will definitely be there. <laughs> they will. It's kind of like, it's, it's almost like that reciprocal like when you meet someone for the first time and you shake you shake their hand, you you match the way they want to shake your hand with theirs. Meaning you're not too soft, you're not too firm, you know, you're not, you know, it's a it's a you, you kind of adapt and, and read the signs. So it's important to do. Yeah, you are so right. And that that right there is definitely important, especially in business. Um I and people it seems like a small thing, but when you <laughs> that's a gem that Brent just dropped is a very important one to definitely match because I tell you and my husband's really big on this you know because he's a man and obviously he's strong he still hates when a man comes up to him and starts gripping his hand really hard even though he can take it he's like okay dude what, what are you doing because in his mind he's thinking oh he's trying to you know play alpha male on me you know so really mm -hmm. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up that is so key kind of match that tone that's that's, <laughs> that's well it is it is crazy because all you do is you make you make the person feel the other person you just make them feel uncomfortable and they are and unwanted and you know kind of going putting a bow on the 1099 w2 thing you know i run a networking event every week and, and do a lot of networking and i see so many people you know in this post great resignation where people are trying to start out and if they've, they've kind of come up with a, 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 an idea or a plan to do their own thing and they walk into the room and they are so nervous because they don't know, you know, they're like, how am I going to convince myself this is what I do, <laughs> you know, since I left my corporate job, let alone the room. And the more you can make people feel comfortable and, and settle in and, you know, that's it, it's it's what we it's what we have an obligation to do to help people grow. Yeah, and I and that's you definitely exude that. Like you're someone that I know if I go to Georgia, Florida, I'm only dealing with you. I already know that. <laughs> it's not like I know know you, but it's just the things I've seen that you've done, the way you carry yourself, you definitely come across like that. So you're very impressive, you know. And y'all will see once y'all check out his Instagram what I mean. And like I said, if you're in the Georgia, Florida area, and the cool thing about it is Brent does residential and um, corporate. Mm -hmm. So he does both uh, he, he does both real estate. Sometimes you don't find that. Some real estate agents just stick to maybe just, you know, the regular residential is what I meant to say. And they don't do the uh, business uh, real estate or, you know, you know what I'm trying to say, right, Brent? Right. So they do both. And uh, Brent actually does both. And that's really key. So he could, you know, uh, show you office buildings that you may want to buy sure. or you're trying to get that personal home. He can show you that, too. So. <laughs> and well, and, and you know this, Carolyn, as you know, we were talking a little bit offline, you know, when you get your when you get a real estate license or just like any trade, you know, when you pass the test, that doesn't mean they, they've taught you how to sell real estate, right? They just taught you how to pass the test and get right. the license. So <laughs> there's a whole other avenues of understanding on how to make sure that the clients are getting what they want. And actually, if someone's going to negotiate and protect their protect all the contingencies that go along with the contract. So it's a it's pretty it's it's a cool way to make a living. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. But it's so good that you're versed in, in both. Because like I said, um, a lot of them I run into only do one. <laughs> they do. Other. I'm like, why would you just stick to one? You know, in my my opinion, that's just me. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's always, you know, open up to, you know, it, it gives you more opportunities, right, Brent? Which I know you, you're running into anyway. 
you 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 definitely do and the thing is is you have people that and it's usually one of the first questions that people ask because they don't they're not really sure and they say oh do you do residential or commercial and you know unfortunately our office is you know we're, we're an independent uh company that really focuses on teaching our brokers you know how to how to sell real estate but not just put a sign in the yard you know it's like we were working with a couple the other day on just how to organize their trust and the differences between the trusts so that they can increase their portfolio and as a result they're going to buy more investment properties but you know they they know that we understand those types of things and uh, the more you can be versed in different different stuff with trusts or 1031s or all that kind of stuff just helps you become more valuable as a resource when it comes to taking care of the client right and the cool thing about it too with you uh knowing um you know commercial real estate is and i don't know if people realize this or not the the landscape of that has changed quite a lot since the pandemic you know like there's certain areas now where i'm hearing landlords are literally not paying off their loans like in new york and california because you know like some of the companies never went back to the offices and then you're hearing about places like florida that are literally um you know, driving on commercial. And I'm sure Georgia's doing pretty good too. Is that pretty much accurate? Yeah, they do. And the, and it's, it's, you, you really went, when you think about that shift, right, there was a lot of businesses around in Georgia that were, you know, big office places. And the, you're right, a lot of the offices didn't go back to work. So those single story, big office places, they did conversions and they put roll up doors in the back so they could handle facilitating because now everybody wants to facilitate and ship stuff and, and do that. And they, they pivoted uh, the the three and four and five and six sto- office story buildings. Those are a lot of them are sitting vacant because, you know, that's they can't be converted. Um, and then the little small condo office company complexes are in really high demand because people, they just need an office for some place, but they only need two or three offices. So it really has shifted and keeping up with the uh, the knowledge and demand and you know and understanding what the math equation is going to look like on a contract um, is very important yeah and, and you definitely have a thorough understanding of that and the cool thing about florida is that they're really good with the taxes when it comes to that right commercial real estate is the, that the taxes are, taxes are more favorable for sure uh that you know in florida there's some different different tax laws and exemptions that you can take advantage of and it's an, important to know that and especially um and in and, and knowing the cities too like you know i know like where i live in georgia you know the local cities some of them are more open to business and growing than others some of them are higher taxes so it's understanding of you know what kind of if you're going to go into a city that's got high taxes you know can we go ahead and negotiate you know can we call the mayor up and say hey this company's coming to you are you going to give them a couple hundred grand in tax incentives you know and uh try to negotiate that that standpoint to get them to come into a city yeah that sounds great and i know pretty sure you have all the background for that so that's like really good to know um so if you're listening and you are you know a company that you know maybe needs to relocate you know and (laughs) let's face it you know like i said 2020 happened just a lot of things you have to kind of like navigate through definitely seek Brent because he's going to help you out. Remember, he's, he's licensed in Georgia and Florida. Two really great, actually hot places for real estate, to be honest with you, both of those places. And, and one of the main reasons is obviously there are warmer climates. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you have to worry about these long, cold, drawn out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's going to be 80 <laughs> degrees here today. We're still a little chilly here, but uh, yeah, we're, we're it's going to be a nice one. And I think that's the thing about Atlanta especially in the Georgia market, you know, you just look at just, you know, geography, there's no boundaries, you know, there's no, there's no ocean or there's no huge mountain or there's no, you know, you know, uh, continent or country divide. Atlanta just keeps growing each, each way. And, uh, it, and it sort of feeds off itself too, because there's not just one industry, you know, you've got, You've got the travel and tourism, but you've got the big companies like the Deltas and the Cokes and the Wellstars, and then you got the movie and the film industry. So, if one of them ta- one of them has a bad year, the others are still growing, right? So it's the city just continues to feed off of itself. So even in a time where, you know, depending on who you're talking to, with the definitions of recessions and stuff, that's those are different podcasts. But uh, you know, the city keeps going, and people still want to be here. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is a thriving mecca, and and you're right. Just probably in the last what ten years, the movie industry has really been booming in that area. Like seriously, it's amazing. It's amazing. You just drive you drive all over the city, and you see those you know cryptic yellow signs that you've probably seen it maybe where there's there's like these codes, and they're upside down and right side up, and they're there for the casting calls, you know, for all these things, and they're just and they're you know they're all over the place you just see them and they're in random spots and yeah there's a ton of ton of action going on with that industry yeah definitely and of course we know uh tyler perry bought a like huge studio what was that like about like five years ago or so or yeah something? he does and he's they're like doing i don't know how i got on this i'm on some sort of feed you know you you, enter, you hit you click your name and stuff enough stuff i get like these project casting call you know emails and stuff and yeah he's oh. all he's always doing casting calls for stuff yeah, I can imagine. I, I definitely can because he, he's got that big series. So he's working on a lot of different projects. He's doing a lot of different shows. And it's just, and of course, you know, he still does movies. So that just goes without saying. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely um, a mecca for her. And you're, you're in the heart of all of that. And, and of course, Florida too. So that's just super amazing. Well, they can have a better person than you, Brent. So you. Yeah. <laughs> this was interesting about your history. And it's so funny when I read it, it made sense. I said, I can see that of him. So you were in management for basically a hotel and restaurant. Um, talk, talk to us about that. Yes. So, I, so part of the, you know, so my W-2 life, if you will, um, it, I spent a lot of time in corporate America and I worked in, worked in a lot of restaurants, uh, actually, my, but my first job was at a hotel down in Miami and understand, learned, worked at Marriott. They were, they were the best at teaching hospitality and how to take care of people and that type of stuff. So I learned from them and then really went and worked for, oh, I don't know, 20 years or so or more in the restaurant industry and, and really got a good grasp on, uh, you know, just how to, how to run businesses, not only from, and in different concepts and in different, and, and in different segments too. So I've got experience in, uh, quick casual, uh, got experience in, um, uh, you know, uh, sports bars, um, different chain restaurants, um, and I've worked in both the corporate side and on the franchising side. So I understand, you know, the corporate side of, of, uh, of restaurants or the corporate side of any company, you know, just to kind of put it in perspective, when you work in corporate, you your job is to manage people and get results and if you do a good job then you get paid and you probably get a bonus if you do a bad job you get fired <laughs> you know they fire you um, and you fire people as well in franchising you're working with groups of people who have paid the corporation a bunch of money and as long as they pay their royalties you really can't fire them all you can do is inspire them and their teams to follow the corporate playbook that's been in place. And if they do that, then they will, they will be successful. And if they choose not to, you have to navigate, you know, what you're, uh, what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong and listen to a lot of complaints and all that kind of stuff. So it's a very different dynamic on working in corporate America, corporate side of a company versus the franchising side. Uh, but I think it was hugely impactful in my life to be able to work on both sides. To understand, you know, how there's diff different ways even within a, a company in the W-2 world of making money as well. You know, that makes so much sense, Brent, because, and that comes across on your skill set. And, and you're right, because you think about that with franchise, you can't fire them. So how can you get them to perform better? Then obviously, like you said, you have to motivate and inspire. And you're an exceptional at doing that anyway. So that's definitely one of your strengths. So I know they hated it when you were like, sorry, I'm doing my own thing. Totally. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> well, that yeah, that was a uh, that was an interesting uh, that was an interesting thing. I have a well, you know, we. You know, you've seen some of the stuff that I do on uh, Instagram. I have this uh, this story that I, I tell, and it's called Ten for Ten, um, and it's a it's a way of how to achieve your greater purpose. But the shot two in that is the good luck shot. And so when I told people I was going to do my own thing, I had a lot of people that are like, "Good luck, right?" The, you know that that uh, sarcastic good luck thing, like you know you probably won't make it and you'll be back. So it was it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was interesting, um, and so me and you can relate to this. We both were in corporate America, and I know we both were thriving in corporate America. Right. And for people that 
are in corporate America that are in jobs that pay well, you know, which that would be both of us, a lot of people don't understand when you leave it. And you're like, so to speak, you know, you're kind of like, you're taking an opportunity where, you know, you, you get paid <laughs> if you, you're good at it. You know what I'm trying to say. You, you sell a product, you're going to get paid that way. Um, but a lot of people don't understand that. And I almost feel like for some people, they're in corporate America with what I call gold handcuffs. They don't really want to be there, but they're too scared to like take the leap because they're so scared about like from a financial position, what they're going to do. And they don't understand sometimes, you know, happiness is on the other side of that, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a, and that's a tough part. I, I found myself in that position. I mean, I, when I, I had gotten licensed in real estate and had the, had the goal and the dream of being able to, to do that. Um, but you, when you're working for, when you're working for the paycheck, if you will, you know, we're taught, you know, we're, we're taught at a very young age, right? You know, your, your true accomplishments is basically, you know, how much money got dumped in your bank account on Friday night, right? right. That's your accomplishment. Right. Um, and when you go into 1099, when you look at your bank account on Saturday morning, there's just less money there than there is more sometimes. And right. you have to really think about what your accomplishments are. And yeah, that's, that's scary for some people. And I actually, I, I, I went through it uh, and um, I actually have a piece of paper in my office. that says $9,260. And that stands for the amount of commission that I had lost to uh, a friend client um, who went and used another real estate agent because I was too busy, quote unquote, working in my other job and he didn't think I'd have enough time for him. And it was a major, major reason why I decided to leave the corporate job is because how many more of those was I prepared to lose, you know? Oh, wow. You know, Brent, I'm telling you, that, that right there, <laughs> y'all hear that gym that he just dropped? He's been dropping 2,000 gems anyway, but that one, oh my goodness, a really great way to motivate yourself. Oh my goodness. But at the same time, and we want y'all to understand, you know, it's not easy being self-employed, but I will tell you, there's something about doing it on your own, having that control, knowing that no one controls what's going on in your life but you. And that's the best way for me to describe it. <laughs> you know, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you, you are, you're right. And the thing is, is you, you, you do have control. So if you want to get up, um, if you get up in the morning, you're like, I, I don't feel like working today. Don't work. Um, you know, take the day off. You, you have that control. That's the reason why you went into business for yourself. Um, but it, but you'll find that you'll find that you might actually be working harder in some ways because there's the pressure of, okay, how am I going to make a living? But you're also doing something that you really like to do. So you're interested in doing it. And we all, we all get better results if we're inspired to do something than being told to do something. And I think that, I think maybe, and this isn't a, a knock on corporate America. And I think they're getting better at it. They have to, if they want to keep, keep people employed, but you know, for so many years that, type one style of management was just like, I'm telling you what to do and you must do it or else. And nobody likes being told what to do at the end of the day. They'd rather be inspired to do it. And uh, you're right, it's a, it's a, it's a, it is a different mindset and it's, I think we all want to be in that place. You're right. And that was something that was important to me too. So I was in corporate America and I was in management, but I was not a manager. And, and a lot of people may not understand that there's a difference between a manager and a leader. Mm-hmm. A leader is someone that people want to follow. And also a leader even follows at times. But like you said, the leader inspires, motivates, gets people, you know, give people the reason to, to come to work. And the reason why a lot of people leave companies is because of the management. It's not what they're doing. It's because of the management. So it's really key if you are in corporate America for people that are listening to this that love corporate America. And that's great. And if you are in management, make sure to be a leader and not a manager. Because like Brent said, and this is so true, people do not like being told what they do. They want to be inspired. They want to be motivated, especially millennials. They definitely do want that. And, And to be honest with you, it's so hard to get people now. 
and it's really expensive to get people and then lose them. So this is a gem we're dropping to you. Make sure that you're not managing people, you're leading and you know, um, and you're making them want to be there, but not by, you know, making them or like dragging them, so to speak. You're, you're making them by inspiring them and setting examples that they want, they're inspired and they want to be there. Give them those reasons. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's so key. And because of 2020, yes, yeah, it's, it's a, um, there's a lot of jobs out there. Um, oh, yeah. And, and, and they're hard to be filled because, you know, people are really, you know, um, a lot of people definitely want to work from home now. And like you said, they don't want to be micromanaged. And, and that was old school. That was old school stuff. Micromanaging people, you know, down to everything. Nobody wants that. So these are things that, you know, if you're in corporate America, keep that in mind and you want to keep people. This is how you keep people, you know, just thought definitely. it definitely is. You know, people, you know, people will do anything for you if they feel like, you know, you've got their, you've got their best interest at heart and not only just loyalty, but you're challenging them and helping them grow and giving them the, giving them the autonomy to do so. And, um, you're there to, you're there to inspire them. Sure. You got to hold them accountable, but you know, there's ways of doing that versus just, you know, you must do this because I told you. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. That is so right, because that's definitely not the way to go. And you're probably not going to keep that person if you keep doing that. They'll definitely search for something else. And they will. One of, one of the things I learned, I'm sorry to cut you off. I, one of the things I learned in corporate America, and it's really helped me out today, um, is I learned how to ask the assumptive questions. So, you know, instead of saying, did you do this? It's like, you know, how, how were you satisfied or how, how satisfied were you with your results on something? And I'll even use that today where you meet a prospect, you know, cause everybody knows a real estate agent, right? There's, there's, you can throw a rock and hit a hundred of them. Um, but I'll ask, ask the questions like, Hey, how was the experience with your lender? You know, what did they tell you that you qualified for giving them the, giving them the credit that they've already done this. And then they can come back and tell me and say, well, I haven't talked with a lender yet. Oh, you haven't. Would you like me to connect you with one? And they feel much more open about the conversation when you ask the assumptive question versus more of the accusatory question, if you will. Absolutely. And that's another gem. I, I totally agree. So because, you know, you get to a point that you do need to coach the people that you work with, but you want to use that strategy. And this sounds crazy. And I don't know if you do this, Brent, but it actually works. I, I don't know why it works. But like if you ask people a question, sometimes they say, I don't know. And you say, well, what if you did know? What would that look like? They always come up with a response. Have you ever done that before? I've, I don't think I've, I don't think I've really phrased it. I, what if you did know? Um, yeah. I like that. I like that approach a lot. What? They'll actually come up with a response. I've even done it with my son. He'll be like, I don't know. And I said, but, but what if you did know? And they'll always come up with a response. He's and gonna, I heard somebody <laughs> say that. And I said, that's not going to work. And I promise you, I have done it so many times and sure enough, a response comes every time you do that. <laughs> oh man, your son, your, your like son, you your son's going to get, it did not work terribly. He's going to be sending me a message. <laughs> your son's going to have, your son's going to have girlfriends and dates and stuff that say, he's going to be like, well, what if you didn't know? <laughs> he's going to come home and say, mom. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> But anyway, it works for me, people that are, that are listening. But look, I'll probably get uh, messages later on saying, what is wrong with this one? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it's always worked for me. I used to do it all the time because, like I said, I heard it one time and I was like, this seems really crazy. But I tried it and sure enough, I got a response every time. I love it. I love it. Well, I think what you're doing, though, is at the at the at the end of the conversation or whatever your goal is when you're having it with somebody, you're, you want to put it back. You want to give the, the person that you're talking to, whether it's a client or a prospect or an employee, you want to give them the credit that they have the ability to make the best decision too, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what it is because like when you talk to somebody, you've hit the nail on the head. I think when you talk to somebody and they say that, you know, I don't know, then a natural instinct for most people really is, well, this is what you do. 
But by me saying, well, what if you did know, it's putting it on them again to make the decision one way or the other. So I think that's why it works a lot of times until somebody texts me and says, it didn't work for me, Terry Lynn. But anyway, I'm just saying, I agree with that statement, though. Well, you, you um, say, what if you did know, and then give them that just, you know, that uh, five second blank stare, like, I'm not responding <laughs> until you do. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So anyway, I know that you're the president of the Marietta um, Business Association. You've been a president since 2019. Uh, so talk to me about that. That's a great time. Um, yeah, so the, uh, the Marietta Business Association is, uh, so in the business associations are very similar to Chamber of Commerce. So that way for the listeners, they're in smaller towns, they get the idea. And um, in our market, the Chamber of Commerce is really, really focuses um, on the big companies. I mean, anybody can join, but you know, it's really big business driven. And um, the the business associations are a little bit smaller, a little bit driven down. The average business association has between I don't know 250 and 300 members, and there's you know nine of nine local business associations in the area that I work in. And Marietta um, is the the county seat for Cobb County. And our business association um, really helps people connect to exist to support one another, to drive local businesses. But we have focuses on uh, the government, we have focuses on small business, we have focuses on networking, uh, education, and tourism. So we try to bring all those entities together so that you are learning about your community, um, fostering relationships along the way. And then ideally, you know, growing business together and, you know, trading dollars locally versus just going on Google, if you will, and trying to search for somebody. And um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. I can see that. And, and then, too, you were um, a past VP for public relations and Toastmasters, and I see that all over you. So how was that experience? <laughs> That was a great time. That was a really interesting experience with, with, with Toastmasters. I've always thought, I've always liked, I've always loved speaking in front of people. And they say, if you, they say that if you like speaking in front of people and you like horror movies and you got real problems and I kind of like both. So we'll see. But the, yeah, that's me too. Me that's, <laughs> um, hopefully it's not going to be able to come, but we're, we're actually going to see one in day. And we're probably going to be sorry that we saw it afterwards, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it so it's it's good. I've always, so I've always in, in liked speaking in front of people, and I did the Toastmasters thing um, for I think I did it for a total of three years, and the last year was the VP of Public Relations. And what was good about that experience is it really helped helped me understand um, what people are seeing when you're talking in front of a group, and and I always I, I just love watching people speak in general because I watch their mannerisms and I watch what they're doing. And it's a it's great because um, Toastmasters has all kinds of levels of different people coming in. Some are just they're people who are working for corporate America, and their boss said, "I need you to be better at presenting a deck in front of this group." So go to Toastmasters. Uh, to uh, individuals who are just trying to um, increase their ability to to present sales in front of people. I remember the first time I did I did my Toastmaster speech. One of the things they do in the in those meetings is they everybody writes a little love note to you as far as what they liked about your speech and what they didn't like about it and so there was there's like 20 of these little notes you get and so i'm on my way home and from it and everybody said oh the speech was great the speech was great and half of the people were like i love the way you walked around the stage i love the way you worked the stage and i'm like okay because that's natural for me and the other half said you were freaking me out because you walked around the stage too much. I couldn't keep up. <laughs> and I was like, the thing that's, that's, that a lot of people love might be the thing that other people hate. That is so, oh goodness. That's it. Yeah, so it was like, wow. How, and at first I was like, kind of, I don't know, I mean, maybe offended's not the wrong word, but I was like, well, what are they talking about? And then I started thinking, I'm like, well, if half the people, you know, don't like that, then half people that they do. So then I started thinking really again about when we talked about the top about knowing your audience or knowing the person that you're talking to, what is it that, what is the, what is the situation? And so like married a business association when I was, when I, when I was president, formal setting, they actually had a lectern there. So I actually forced myself to stay in one place, which was very uncomfortable. 
but that was the setting right. and and as a result the response would seem to be always good but uh yeah that was a that, so that was so if you've never been to a toastmasters meeting go check it out because you'll learn a lot you'll learn a lot about how to speak but they also teach you how to control time too which is important yeah, I think I'm going to definitely do that, but I'm going to take that advice. And you know what's interesting is um, one of the things I did um, when I was in corporate America, well, I was a project manager and I also trained, right? Okay. And that was one of the things they said to kind of know your environment, you know, of course, know the people and then the environment that you're actually going to be training in. So like, obviously for you, if you're on stage and you like to move, which I get it, I think that's a good process. But at the same time, because of that advice you get, you probably do the compromise. You'll move some, then you'll stop. Probably. <laughs> you think yeah. about it. I'm sure you do. <laughs> it, it really, you're right. There's almost like they, you know, the, you know, people who are, you know, the famous professionals, you know, if you go and you see where the X's are on the stage, they're, they put those down for a reason because at some point you're supposed to be there and some some points you're supposed to be there. So I almost envision, you know, those imaginary X's on the, on a stage and I'll walk and then I'll stop and then I'll come back and then I'll walk, you know, over and but I try to be more methodical about it versus just, you know, looking like you know, looking like a, a guy who's swimming frantically in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> But that's probably you being fit too. Uh, probably from doing those um, basketball suicide. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. We had to do so many of those. It was crazy. Oh my god. I remember <laughs> back in the day doing it, when I first did the suicide. I, I literally did thought I was gonna die. I was like, ah. I was yeah. Like, it was just like, what do you mean we got to do that? Like, and how many we got to do? Gosh. Uh, uh, if y'all don't know what I'm talking about, it's it's really a series of running, but it's like you run to a certain spot, you run back, then you run to the next spot, you run back, and it's like it extends. It's whew. and you gotta and you gotta touch the line. You gotta kneel down and touch the line. So it's not like run, run, run. You have to actually like squat down to touch, and then it's just yeah, it's just like yeah. a, it's it's, it's definitely a cardio um, <laughs> there. I'm telling you, but yeah, that that's so funny. Um, there was something else in particular I wanted to ask you. We were talking about, and I think I got off train to talk, here talking about even basketball. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I know, I know what it was. Okay, so okay. you were super successful in corporate America. We get that. What made you just say, "Hey, I want to get into real estate"? Where, where did that come about? Yeah, the and you know it's interesting because this has really kind of evolved over the years with this. I have this keynote speech. It's called Ten for Ten, and it, it kind of comes off of it comes off of a high school basketball story when I was a kid playing basketball. And uh, without you know going into long depths, I kind of created this mindset of ten shots in a row. What does those shots look like when it when it comes to making your greater purpose come to life? And the purpose part of it really was what hinged it for me is making making the change of wanting to get licensed in real estate and move that because you know you go through your there's so many people that I've met and, that I don't know if they know what their purpose is and and I don't know if that's a fault as much as it is is I don't I, I think a lot of people go through their whole life questioning what their purpose is and if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and and what and if they did know to your point if they did know what their purpose was what would they do and that was something and, and i know a lot of people say the word purpose and whatever that's i i think about that all day every day what am i what is my purpose what am i supposed to be doing and and i know some people use it like loosely like the word love i love you i love chocolate i love this but to others love is a very important word right the purpose is like that for me and I, I struggled with it and didn't really know a long time. I was like, oh, I'm in restaurants, I'm doing well, and I'm making this kind of money and stuff. And I'm like, but is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And and it really, really harped on me. And actually, the 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 person that taught me purpose was wasn't a person; it was my dog. And um, we, my dog was a uh, Weimaraner. And if you don't know what a Weimaraner is, they're a gray kind of a pointer dog, short gray hair very full of energy and my dog Bronson all he wanted to do was play frisbee and uh, over the course of his life uh, I figured I threw that frisbee to him about 10,000 times and one day I'm it was a Sunday afternoon beautiful afternoon and I'm throwing him the frisbee and he's bringing it back and it just hit me what purpose was all about what was purpose and purpose was 
understanding that his purpose, Bronson's, was to catch the frisbee, and then mine was to simply throw it. And I began to realize that purpose was really just that simple. Instead of worrying about all these things, it's like, what is it you're supposed to do, and have faith that something something else will happen. And、um, so that's the kind of thing that drives me, and that's ultimately what drove me to get the real estate license and then create the plan so I could transition into it full time. Yeah, that I, I love. That's a beautiful story, and you're right. Purpose is one of those things that really gets me too.、And、I think part of your purpose, at least, it comes off to me is you love helping people,、um, and you love inspiring people, and that is part of your purpose. I that I see. Do you see that in yourself, or? Yeah, I do, and it's when I I'm actually going to. Uh, a closing today after we we get done here, and、um, I've been working with this couple for a while, and it's it's been it's just a, it's an awesome accomplishment when you help them sell their house because they've had to change jobs and all this kind of thing, and, and navigate the production of selling it and then buying another one, and making sure that they're staying in budget and getting what they want at the same time. And you know, sending them contacts to help them with their with their different needs that they need along the way, and I just like that. And、um, when you see that people are listening to you, and see that people are responding to what you're trying to help them with, and make those wise decisions, that's what that's what drives me. Ah,、oh, that's that's beautiful. That's really beautiful.、Uh, well, I'm gonna just ask you a couple more questions. I'll let you go. Okay. You are busy, and again, I can't appreciate you know give you enough appreciation for、um, doing this、uh, with me today.、Um, but you had you said you have family in Boston and family in Phoenix, so、mm-hmm. totally different places. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, they.、Uh, my brother,、um, he lives in Boston, and well, we all grew up in Maine, and、um, yeah, we all grew up in Maine. And I know there may be some people are saying Maine, Maine, Maine Street. I'm like, no, the state of Maine, <laughs> which is. <laughs> <laughs> it's there, and、uh, it's yeah. It go to state, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is a state. Go to go to New York, and then keep driving for ten hours, and you'll get there.、Um, it's, I, I don't mean to cut you off for a second, but you'd be surprised how many people didn't realize that that's a state. That's why it's so <laughs> funny. But anyway, go ahead. I apologize. I t- oh, I've had more more than one person do like Maine, Maine what? I'm like.、Uh. Uh, but it、uh, well, and it is. And it, listen, if you've never been, you got to go.、Uh, and it's like everything is just different. The air is different, people are different, food is different, quality of life. It's just awesome. So it's worth it's worth definitely checking out. I loved it.、Um, but yeah, my parents. We all grew up in Maine.、Um, one thing that most people don't know about me is that my father was、uh, my high school principal. He handed me my high school diploma, which.、Um, There, you, yeah. Talk, I got stories for hours, and you know, half, there was no sense of normalcy being a kid that when your high school's principal, you're either getting a, a fair deal, a, a too fair of a deal, or too raw of a deal. Oh my god!、Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we uh, we grew up there, and my brother he now lives in Boston, and he owns a landscaping company that he takes care of、um, homes in nice, affluent neighborhoods. And、uh, yeah, he does. He's he's a wizard when it comes to landscaping and、um, mm-hmm. taking care of stuff. And then my、um, my parents,、um, who are both going to celebrate their 81st birthday this year, live in Phoenix. And oh, we call it out there. Yeah, yeah. So、um, so and it's great because I get I get a chance to go out and see them two at least two times a year. And、um, so we're a small family, but we we stay pretty close. And the cool thing about it is, Phoenix is really a great area for people that are in retirement mode for a lot of reasons. One is you're gonna get lots of vitamin D in that area. True.、Um, and and that's really important for your health. So that that is something to take in consideration. Now, granted, the summers can be very intense, but you know that's what AC is for. Hey, I'll just throw、right. it out there. That's right. Run the run the AC. And I I tell you, I've gone out there. Um, I usually go out like the middle of the summer, which is the worst time from the heat、right. standpoint. But like. Um, you know, like it, it used like you like the first week of August is when, believe it or not, when school starts here,、um, Georgia. So that first week, I usually just go out there to see them,、um, mm-hmm. and it's hot, but I mean, it you get AC and yeah, you just deal with it. So yeah, you really do. I I actually worked out there. I was a project manager out there, so I was out there, and I literally went out there pretty much as summer was approaching.、Uh-huh. And- And then it was like three digits. 
<laughs> and so it's like so funny. I was like dealing with that, and then I tell people all the time. I said, you know, you know, because they always say, well, it's a dry heat, so it's different. And I'm saying, don't get me wrong, but I said, but when when, when it's three digits, it really doesn't matter. Dry it's heat, hot. you're not gonna really want to be outside. It's I just said, hot. But the cool thing about that area, I said, is if it becomes 90 degrees. You can literally walk around 90 degrees, no problem, because it is dry and it's it's different from like, and you're in Georgia and I'm in North Carolina, both places are kind of muggy. You wouldn't really want to walk around too much when it's 90 degrees in Georgia or, or North Carolina. <laughs> no, not muggy. at all. Yeah, but, but there you could, and it's actually a pleasant day. So anyway, Brent, I'm going to let you go. I, again, I can't thank you enough. You're super amazing. I, I did want to ask one last question. Yeah, I got, and I got one I got one for you too. So you, okay. okay. All right. So what advice would you um, give someone that's considering getting into the real estate, um, you know, business or whatever? Yeah, that's a great, I'll tell you what, this would be the, this, this would be my, this is definitely the advice if someone's interested in getting a license and that is take an extremely long amount of time thinking about how you want to make money in real estate and who who has a who has a system to help you with that and what that i mean by that is is there's so many different brokers out there okay that and you have to have your real estate, you have to have a broker hold your real estate license is how it works and every broker every broker is in business to make money don't and a lot of real estate agents forget that because they they jump around agencies all the time like oh i'm going to make a better commission here or i'm going to get a better split here and you see people that don't think about what type of broker they want to work for and then more importantly they don't under, they don't think about how they want to make money too because when you're like I work for an independent brokerage and so the strategy is is you really need to go out and network, spend a lot of time and grow your business this way. However, that model means it's going to be a long road ramping up before maybe you're getting paid, right? Right, correct. So you got to think about how long am I prepared to not get paid as I build this business. Now the other model is you could go and work in a big company and you see the signs up and down, you know, the billboards up and down the highway, and you know who those big box companies are. And you could join one of those mega teams and probably make money very quickly. However, you're not going to be taught on how to sell residential and commercial. You might be just become a buyer's agent or it might be just locked into one thing. And while you're making that money out of the gate, you're also splitting it on a team with eight or nine or 10 people. So you have to really think about what your you know what what you want that your career to look like how you want that money to stream to come in and and who you want to be behind you you know to help you achieve that I that that is such great advice that is extreme advice you know because i'm a broker too and, and you're right that's the best advice that you're given because there are certain companies that give really high you know commission mm -hmm. and they also train you which means they're going to train you in other, so you're not just doing one thing, like you said, you know, because you don't want to just do one thing because, and that's in any field, honestly, you really want to, you know, have, you know, broad knowledge in a lot of things because it really helps you to make more money. Um, so really great advice that you gave, Brent. I, I appreciate that. And what was your question? <laughs> so you have a, you, so you obviously, I mean, you have such a strong social media presence and um, you, you, you lead, online networking meetings and you're always giving good advice as it relates to the different social platforms uh, instagram specifically too what, what advice do you have what advice do you have somebody like me that you know i don't have i don't have you know hundred thousand followers and all this kind of stuff but i'm seeing this now meta verification for facebook and instagram coming out and you know what's your what's your take on all that stuff and is there a platform that you think is worth you know, paying a subscription for. Okay, this, this is, uh, that's actually a really great question. So I really think this all stemmed from, you know, of course, Elon Musk took over Twitter and then he came up with a verification and there's a monthly for that. I think he has like $10 a month, something like that. Mm -hmm. I'm not that big on Twitter. However, I can see someone like you really thriving on Twitter. Um, I'm on Twitter, don't get me wrong, but I said I'm not gonna really bother with the verification for myself. However, I can see you doing really well on that. So that might be something you want to consider that they have that process. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now, um, and I know you're on LinkedIn, correct? Yep. LinkedIn? Yep. Correct. Yeah, yeah, and that's definitely a great platform for you um, for so many reasons. Um, your communication skills, LinkedIn is definitely growing. Um, of course, you can do the lives now, and you can do news uh, letters, uh, communications, which I'm sure that's all stuff you're considering, or you may even be doing already anyway. In, the, in regards to Instagram, so what I heard, and, and Joseph actually enlightened me on some of this, this was I was surprised about. So in the United States, currently, it's still kind of a, um, you're, you're in a line, you're, you're in, uh, in waiting. So you can get signed up, you have, and from the way Joseph explained it was that you have to find somebody that's verified, and then from there, get on the wait list. Like there's an option to get on the wait list under them. I'm not exactly sure that didn't quite, I didn't quite understand that, but that's what he was saying. But there's still a wait list for it, which I thought was really odd. Cause I'm like, why would you do a wait list for something that people are gonna pay for? Because obviously not everybody's gonna pay for it. We already know right. that because right. it's like $50 a month. So not everybody's gonna be willing to do that. Uh, especially people that, you know, they may not even feel like they need it. You know what I'm saying? And then the only thing I'm wondering about too, and I'm sure you've been thinking the same thing. What about the accounts that are already verified? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. What, what happens with that? Cause I'm like, there's accounts out there that are already verified. What are you going to do with that? You're going to start charging them now because they're already verified. I don't really know. So there's a lot of things that's going to happen with the United States. I do know in Australia and another country, I forgot the other country. I apologize. The way they're doing it is they have the verification process and then they're also promoting their account more. So that means they'll be more, um, their, their accounts will be more visual than other accounts mm-hmm. because they're with that program. But the United States is not doing that right now. So like, even if you you know do go through the process, you're not gonna be more visible starting off the bat, which is interesting, right? <laughs> yeah, that is, that is, it is, it's an interesting, uh, it, it'll be an interesting world, I guess, you know, seeing how the meta thing uh, develops over time, I guess. Right, right, definitely. Um, and then you, I think you have a good Facebook presence too, right? Yeah, and actually the, the Facebook, I probably have better Facebook presence, honestly, than, um, than, than Instagram. The Instagram, um, working and working with Joseph, um, you know, when I took my motivational speeches with this, the 10 for 10, I was like, well, let me, let me see if I can put it on a platform, if there'd be anybody that would respond to it. And so really I've grown that, the Instagram account solely on that. Um, and the Facebook was real estate. And I just started recently integrating the two, um, where now Facebook is seeing both of them, you know? Right. And I think that's good. I think that's going to be really great for you. And then, um, you're probably going to get to the point too where you may even sometimes give real estate you know more real estate tips and stuff like that there's a lot that you can do you're you're so authentic that it'll just come naturally i think too the other thing about social media and we already know this is some people are paying for followers <laughs> so they know, are you know, and it's like and you can kind of know that um you know, the, the, that whole social media industry is, is interesting, but it's really nice to see authentic people that have great content and that's you. So, you know, I definitely am going to put your um, Instagram post and if you give me, I'm sure you can give me your LinkedIn later too. I, whatever yeah. you know, communication sources that you have, definitely give them to me because I'll attach it to okay. this podcast because I definitely want people to follow along with you because you're a super amazing person. Um, who definitely, you know, you have a lot to offer people, you know, especially people that are considering becoming self-employed, even if they're not into real estate, you give really great motivational advice that can really go across the board for anything really, um, in the entrepreneurial, I, I would say, you know, spear, I'll call it a spear for right now, but yeah. anyway, so, uh, I'll definitely have that. And again, thank you very much. I appreciate <laughs> it. It's been fun. It's been fun spending some time with you today. Yeah, it really has. I really enjoyed this. And um, good luck on your closing today. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, it's always fun talking with that. Those those are fun days. Uh, they, they definitely are. But um, yeah, I, I want to make sure. And for Friday Junior too, right? <laughs> and for Friday Junior, there you go. So, <laughs> All <laughs> go right. Hold. You take care, Brent. And, and Thank have you, a- Terry Lynn. Thank you so All right. much. Bye-bye. Bye.